Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Johnny to my J-Bone. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I have a lot of information, and I plan on getting it out of my head. And I have, an, anar- and I have an anarchy symbol on my forehead for some reason. And our very... <laughs> <laughs> From the and and our very own spider. That's right. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm putting in the performance of my lifetime up until the end when I just start basically throwing out the lyrics to Liar. Big, <laughs> big, uh, big weird week for the Seahawks this week uh, because this week it's been offensive coordinator uh, Palooza. There's been so many uh, names thrown around in regards to the Seahawks offensive coordinator position. Tons of people linked to the job. Tons of people apparently have talked to the team about the job. So um, we're going to go over some of these names that, have, <laughs> that, that I found a, a, a hard link. Okay, so this is um, I took Kevin had a bigger list. I went through that list and found which one of these have tweets from people I consider to be credible sources that that um that that uh like link them to the seahawks yep the, the, there okay. have been discussions with okay so there's, there's only like six or seven okay of these of these names so are you ready born ready all born, right born, first born, one born. okay well your your job is to tell me on a scale of one to ten how happy would you be if this was the final hire and why are right, you ready uh, ten, Pep- 10 is ha- max happiness We're going 10, 10 is the happiest yes okay. you can possibly be one is uh well, well we'll get to one in just a minute uh pep <laughs> Pep Hamilton, three. Okay, you gotta explain it a little bit. Why? Why is Pep Hamilton at three? Uh, Pep Hamilton. I can't think of a time where he's been a good uh, offensive coordinator at all. Um, he's an okay quarterbacks coach. I wouldn't want to hire him for any role outside of that. I just don't think he's. From what I've seen, I have nothing that tells me he can run a successful offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, Eric. Pep Hamilton is a five because it is the very vanilla choice. It's, it's, it's not so much that I don't the vanilla ice cream, sir. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, I mean, it's not pickle choice, but I, I think he could do fine things, which is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for great things. All right. Adam Gase. This is what ones were invented for, sir. Yes. I, I agree. That, wait, wait, why is Adam Gase a one though? Just explain it to well, the, uh, because Adam Gase isn't going to bring Peyton Manning with him. And that's the only way he's been able to run an above average offense in the NFL. So since Adam Gase doesn't come with Peyton Manning strapped to his back, like a Siamese twin, then <laughs> this ain't happening, man. Like Adam Gase not only is a horrible culture fit for like institutions in life, and not only would it absolutely bury the chances of Jamal Adams resigning with us, but <laughs> additionally, it would also just be a bad offensive coordinator. Uh, my take is a little different. It's a little, it's a little more interesting. Uh, this is what ones were made for, and <laughs> unless he's bringing, uh, you know, Peyton Manning with him, then it's just an awful choice. <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> why? Why? We... <laughs> Anthony Lynn. Uh, five. This is uh, a bang average hire. Like he probably will be more run heavy than I want. He's like done an okay job with offenses. Um, there's reasons to believe he might be pretty good, but there's also reasons to be hesitant. He's about the same hire as Shoddy was. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm I'm going to change it up a little. I think this is a seven because I feel like this is best case Daryl Bevel. 
meaning whoever we hire is going to run what Pete Carroll wants. If you're reading everything that's coming out now after Shoddy leaving uh, and how unhappy Russ supposedly is, and this is all rumor, but they're going to run what what Pete wants. The run heavy, yeah, it makes sense to me. With the chance for explosive plays and toxic differential on the offensive side, uh, it's like it's uh, the best vanilla ice cream we've ever had. I'm giving it a seven. Doug Peterson. Ten. Um, Doug Peterson comes from a good coaching tree, working with uh, Andy Reid, among others. Uh, He has shown an ability to run a type of offense that um, does incorporate the run uh, in a modern NFL package um, where it would be digestible for Pete and we'd be running often enough while not sacrificing our ability to run an actual like modern offense. Uh, He does clever route combinations. He schemes people open. Um, This would be a, a significant upgrade to the way our offense is run. I think that this is a nine because 10 implies that everything is going to go great. And it's the dream hire. I think there's a chance that Pete Carroll and him clash, which is not good for this team. I don't know if he's going to reinvigor our offense to a point where we'll be more consistent across the board. Maybe I just, uh, it's the best available hire out there. The one I'm most excited about, but it's that trepidation of what will be. That's why he's a nine. I think you can, okay, I have an opinion on this one. A lot of people are afraid Doug Peterson, he left his last job because he didn't want to be told what to do. He's not going to be here for more than a year anyway. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, like it's for him, he can can come in for one year, do his thing, get a great season out of Russ and be like, look at this, guys. I made this offense incredible. Hire me as a head coach. And then he's gone anyway because someone will want him. All right, um, Dave Canales. I lumped all these guys together. Dave Canales, uh, Brennan Carroll, uh, internal hire X. <laughs> uh, I, I guess maybe you could you could separate them out if you have strong opinions about these guys uh, separately, Kevin. But uh, what do you think about those internal hire guys? Uh, zero, because we're not actually hiring anyone. We're just rearranging chairs. So I can't be excited about a hire because a hire didn't actually happen. Ooh, and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be excited about the internal promotion. You'd be you'd be concerned. Like I said, we didn't actually hire anyone, so I am incapable of being any level of excited whatsoever. You you so what what I hear you saying then is that it's time for a change. <laughs> yeah, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Uh, you know, I can't believe that Kevin won't even give this a one. I mean, you're not you're not excited of Ken Norton taking over the reins of offensive coordinator. Very unlikely, but I still would at least be, uh, you know, giddily crazy for three minutes. I mean, at least we knew you do an accountability meeting. That's for right. <laughs> That's all you need, Kevin. Look what it did. Uh, yeah, this is a one just because, uh, you know, I can't steal Kevin zero. Neg- neg- uh, Brennan Carroll for me is like a negative 100. Uh, but everyone, all those other guys are like the oh, fact that he was hired somewhere else was like, oh, have me Nepo- bullets. the nepotism thing would just bother me a lot. Like the yes. whole because because I already feel like Pete's coaching hires are all based on like who his friends are and not based on like for the players. The rules are always compete. But for the coaches, the rules are I hope you're friends with Pete. You know, it's 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 like a completely different set of always comp Pete. Yeah, always compliment Pete. Yes, exactly. Uh <laughs> It's just it feels feels wrong to me a little bit. Then there's some other names that have been thrown around, but not from like 
reputable media, but is there anybody, Kevin, that, that kind of, um, you know, is available that would excite you at all? Like in the, in the big other list? Yeah. There's a few guys I think it'd be really interesting. One I'd like to highlight Ken Dorsey is the quarterback's coach right now for uh, Buffalo. And so he's been working under Brian Dable. Um, he's been in a lot of different uh, situations across college, the NFL, Canada, and then across some different coaching staffs. I think he's picked up some. I think, uh, I think you mean two times Heisman Trophy finalist Ken Dorsey. That's right, and national champion, uh, college football national champion Ken Dorsey. Two-time Archie Griffin Award winner. Ken Dorsey, that's the one. Two-time <laughs> Chick Hartley Hartley Award winner. Yeah, dude, this guy, but man, like he owns all. Old this guy stacks awards. the trophies, but he got drafted by the Browns, and you can't escape destiny. Uh, also, like this guy made a lot of career out of a Nathan Peterman arm. Like, good for him for maximizing his Peterman. Um, He's a seventh round draft pick. You can't like it. They, yeah, they, they, mean, they, like, they like, correctly assessed how good he was at football. I feel like yes, and he he maximized that in college, and then now wrote it into a coaching career. Like, good for him. Man, way, way to live your best life. But uh, I think he's um, a good quarterbacks coach who could help uh, Russ with some of his negative tendencies. Um, I think that he was in an interesting offense that matches what we want to do. I think he's a good hire. Can he, since he is six foot five, could he teach Russ to also be six foot five? Uh, <laughs> I find that unlikely. Okay. But, you know, he's used to compensating. So or, geez, uh, why do you a like lack him so much? Of, a lack of given talent. Yeah, and I mean, he, I feel like he's a little bit too much of a gunslinger for Pete. Eight touched, eight NFL touchdowns versus eighteen NFL picks as a thrower. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, working in that Mike Singletary offense. Yeah, got to get the jokes in. Just All right. So there's our there's our takes on the OC. To me, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with everyone else. Doug Peterson's the gold standard. That's who we want to get. Oh, I thought you were gonna uh, do one too. So then I'll say John Embry's my other guy. I was thinking assistant head coach and tight end coach for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean drawing for San Francisco's coaching tree would be nice because they uh they that is like the kind of offense I think Pete ideally would like to run. Yep. So um okay. Let's uh let's get into it. Uh we got we have um the Seahawks right now, net going into next season, have cap liabilities of one hundred and seventy-two million dollars, two hundred and sixty-one thousand and two hundred and forty-eight. Okay, uh, which leaves them with an estimated four point six million of cap space. Some of that will get eaten by our four draft picks. Uh, we, we have very little cap space heading into next year. There are some guys that they probably would like to re-sign, but it's time for us to make some decisions about the guys who are currently under contract. Those forty-seven guys. Remember, we got to get to 53, so uh, we'll, we'll need to make some moves. We'll need to restructure some guys. We'll need to make some tough cuts. So I'm going to give you guys uh, some players, and what we're going to do is this is a two-week project, okay? This week, it's all about creating the cap space. Next week, you'll be signing the free agents, okay? But this week, it's all about creating the cap space. Right now, you guys both have $4.7 million about in cap space, and we need to create some more because you really don't want to go into next season with uh, – with 4.7 million cap space, you're basically stuck with the roster you have and some veteran minimum players, right? Yep. So, so you want to get, you want to create some cap space. You got to, you got to figure out some ways to, to make it happen. So here we go. Let's start off with Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown right now, his cap number 13.35 million. I'm going to tell you 
Twain Brown comes to you and says, I'm willing to restructure my contract a little bit. I know we got a lot of money coming up next couple of years. I'll save you 3.35 million in cap this year, but you got to give me 20 million in guarantees over the next three years, 38 million total dollars. Do you restructure Dwayne Brown to his age 39 season to free up that, that four mil, about 4 million in cap room, three and a half million? Or do you, uh, do you tell him, no, we're good. <laughs> we'll just, you want to take let's play first? it. Let's play it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I say, no, we're good. Uh, Dwayne Brown is getting older. Uh, I don't want to give Dwayne Brown any more money because this is the guy that you're going to have to move on from either <laughs> not likely by choice, simply by, oh, he can't stay healthy. Oh, he's missed another game. Oh, this guy's a liability now with our cap space. Uh, don't throw any more money at Dwayne Brown. I'm sorry. You, I would love you so much. You're keeping him though, right? You're not cutting Absolutely. him. No, we're not. Yeah, I'm not cutting him. But that's another choice you, I, I could give you is you could cut Dwayne Brown and get your 11.35 million dollars if you'd like. Uh now that is tempting. That is very tempting. What's your choice? That that would that yeah. will come back to haunt you next week when you're when you're like, oh, these are the tackles I can sign. Can you I know, go back to these on this? Tw- <laughs> no, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. If I learned anything from the Trump presidency, I'm doubling down. Oh, and Jesus. what I said, no, but no, serious, no. What I said last week about how we need to rebuild, I'm so into that idea because I don't think we can make enough cuts and get this team back to where we want it. and where we want it is a Super Bowl contender. I think we need to reload. And I think nine and seven, ten and six with Russell Wilson and some guys is very doable. And you know what? If this frees it up, can I do this in a year and still be okay? What do you mean? Like you he only has one year left on his contract. Yeah, then all right, then I'm not doing anything with him. He stays on the team. You're you're going zero dollars. You zero dollars. He's keeping him for next year. What no, a re- no restructure, no extension for Mr. Dwayne Brown. Kevin, what a even, long way around. Uh, I am pulling the trigger on that restructure easily because I figure we've got probably two more years of productive Dwayne Brown. That third year, we will be overpaying for a person who might be injured or there's a possibility we'll have some dead money because he retired. But I don't anticipate a flat cap for the next three seasons. So uh, basically, that's a problem for uh, 2024, Kevin. To deal 20, with well, 2023, Kevin. 2023, because it's a restructure into a three year deal. Uh, because 2021, Kevin wants that four million, so I, and I want him for another year anyway. So that age 39 season, you're giving him about 14, 15 million dollars, uh, and yeah, probably about probably four, nine probably about four or five of that would be guaranteed in the structure I said, which means you're you could you can know you could get away with it a little bit, yep. uh, but. For me, I've been encouraged by the way Andrew Whitworth has played at 39. I think Dwayne Brown is following a similar career arc. I like the way we rest him on, uh, on anytime we can, anytime we can. Yep. So I'm, I, uh, I actually, I'm actually with Kevin on this one. Uh, but I, I think uh, that's that's a tough one. Okay, all right, Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett next year is owed 14.95 million to to uh to the to play in the Seattle Seahawks ring 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 oh my goodness it's a it's a GM it's the Green Bay Packers they're offering you pick 31 in the draft they lost in the Super Bowl to the Bills <laughs> <laughs> and they're offering you pick 31 for Tyler Lockett or 
Tyler's agent says, hey, if we can get an extension done here, how about we uh, rip up this contract and we go 444 and you can have $5 million in cap room for next season. All right. Those are your choices. You can for, you can have Tyler play out his contract. You can go for the 444 uh, extension, or you can trade him to the Green Bay Packers, saving you a whopping $12.7 million and gaining you the, la- the second to last pick in the first round. What are you going to do? Okay, I'll take first this time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Okay, so uh, Lockett's 28. Um, he's got a skill set that plays into its 30s pretty well uh, because he's a route runner. And we've also taken the return game away from him, which is what should have happened. So I am pulling the trigger on locking up a quality number two and a functional number one wide receiver in the form of Tyler Lockett up for four seasons. Um, His uh, value, whether you want to go by uh, AV from... uh, was it pro football stats or if you want to go by PFF grade, if you, whatever you want to go by um, Ty Lockett's a valuable receiver. Um, he's a really good player. And so I basically, this is money I'd be spending anyway to lock him up. So doing it early to get a little more room while the cap is flat, I think is worth it. All right. Uh, Eric. I'm doing the same thing. I like, I like Tyler Lockett. If we get nine to 10 games a year out of him, Every year of this contract, if we get 10 games out, 11 games out, I think it's worth it. Fun, fun fact. I'm trading him for the first round pick. All right. I um, knew you were going to say that. <laughs> 12.7 is a lot of cap room. You can you can do a lot of things with that. Uh, I think that this draft is a pretty solid wide receiver draft. Uh, and we are we have a number one. I think it's OK to move on from Tyler Lockett at this point, if that's on the table. Now, it's sketchy. I mean, you're not 100 percent sure that's the case all right let's move on to jaron reed jaron reed is owed 13.975 million dollars for next year you have three or uh sorry two options with no three options with jaron reed you can keep him for that amount you can cut him and save almost nine million dollars or you can restructure jaron reed into a deal that pays him 333 and will save you three million more dollars Kev, uh, I don't know whose turn it is to go first, and you guys seem to be trading off. So. Uh, Eric. <laughs> uh, Eric, what are you going to do with Jaron Reed? Uh, you know what? Well, this is this is hard for me. Uh, I'm going to move on from Jaron Reed. We, damn, I hate I hate this job. I hate this job. Uh, well, manufacturing pass rush is the thing we've always believed we can do. The Seahawks have amazingly found a way to do it. Uh, Jaron Reed had a had a decent bounce back year, but I don't want to pay him that kind of money. That's a short answer, Kevin. Uh, so we can't shop Jaron Reed. No, Jaron Reed has no trade value because Pro Football Focus gave him a fifty six rating, and every GM is totally in on Pro Football Focus now in this scenario. Well, they do grade every snap, and they grade every snap and uh, watch every play. So they must know. I don't. I'm, yeah. I'm joking, <laughs> but I, but I really don't think Jaron Reed has very. I don't think he has very much. I think, Strong, be, I think if we basically ate that five million that we'd be getting off the cut, we could probably pick up like a mid round pick, and I would do that. I would see it. That's I would say, available. okay, fine. I'll give you a sixth rounder. Yep, done. I, I really think that's like that's like what's on the table for because Jaron Reed at that price is not very valuable. Yep, I deal Jaron Reed for a sixth rounder. No, it's a seventh round. No, I don't even think you can get a seventh rounder, dude. This contract is fourteen million. Well, that's what I was saying. If we eat the five million that we'd eat anyway off the cut. Yeah, but like someone else is, it's going to count that much against the cap. 
Oh, it's gonna can I count nine million? Yeah, you probably you can get a six rounder. You can get a yeah. six rounder, sure. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll give that to you. I'll give that to you. a sixth. I'll get. I'll uh, I'll give that to you as well, Eric. You can have a sixth round draft pick as well. Hmm. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Trading so Jaron Reed for a sixth round is... seems very insulting, and I think Jaron Reed, if he listens to this, is going to find you and destroy you. I would have taken the ex- <laughs> I would have taken the extension. Actually, I think locking up Jaron Reed and Puno Ford to be our kind of tackle pairing is a uh, is maybe an important cog in building out the defense the way we want it to be. So my issue with Jaron Reed is if you're going to pay a defensive tackle in the 14 million range, then I want better than one pressure every 15 and a half pass rush snaps. I like that, Kevin. Thank you. Like he's got the 12th highest D tackle cap hit and people who make that kind of money are like Jonathan Allen, Akeem Hicks, Sheldon Richardson, and all those guys are around uh, one pressure every 10 pass rush snaps. I just think Reed has, uh, he eats up a lot of snaps, but he's low production. Like he's, he's he's like a he's like a B at pass rushing and a B plus at run stopping. He's not an A at either, and I agree with that. But that does have value that he can do kind of everything on a football field. Yeah, I just think that we could replace him with a guy like uh, Shelby Harris or something. Okay, you guys, ready for the next one? Yep. Mm-hmm. Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap is due to make fourteen point one million dollars next year. If you cut him, you get literally all of it back, all $14.1 million. But alternatively, Carlos has come to you and said he will play for three thirty with $25 million in guarantees. That's a big guarantee for a guy at his age, but it will save you $4.1 million in cap room this year, and you will have Carlos Dunlap. So keep him, cut him, or restructure him. Kevin? Okay, so... Uh, keep is out the window for me. I'm not paying Carlos Dunlap more than Eric Armstead makes. Like that's just a fundamental stance I have. Um, so in this free agent class, we have uh, Shaquille Barrett, Carl Lawson, Jadevian Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, Melvin Ingram the Third, Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Trey Hendrickson, Matthew Judon, Alden Smith. There's a lot of dudes hitting the market. Some of the overpays will be like 17. There's going to be a lot of dudes in that 10 million range. And a lot of them will be about as productive as you expect Carlos Dunlap to be for us. So I feel like I could get any of those guys for right around that 10 million mark without having to give that many guarantees to a guy that old. So I am going to cut him um, on good terms. I'm going to cut him early and tell him I'm giving him plenty of time to test the market. But if you have a contract, come on back, see me, buddy, and maybe we can work something out. Kevin takes the $14.1 million. Eric. I love what Kevin said because this is exactly where I am. This is the most appetizing deal you've said. A little bit of a discount, but the big load of money that we have to give up. His production this year was a dream. Can you imagine if we had that all season long? Why don't we have it next year? Well, next year is a rebuilding year for us. Do not forget that. No matter what you think, that's what I'm saying. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And I'm going to be like, yeah, guys, we did it. I said we would. Um, there's, there's no way I can, I can give that much money to Carlos Dunlap. So yeah. Uh, if there's a chance we can get you on a sweetheart deal or something close or see how much money we have, but otherwise, no, we got to let him walk. All right. In my opinion, those are the four main guys that the Seahawks can kind of finagle their cap with. Everyone else is either locked in at a good value, uh, locked in in a at a position where I do not think they would choose to or 
is making less money than I think they're probably worth. And so a, re- a restructure or an extension isn't going to net us any money. So I'm talking about like Quandre Diggs. Quandre Diggs is a great candidate for an extension, but he also makes five and a half million dollars next year. And I don't think he's going to want less money than that. That's already probably a little too low. Yep. Maul Adams is due $9.8 million next year. Uh, if we extend him, I don't think it's going to affect that number too much because once again, it's just like Quandre, he's probably worth slightly more than that. Yeah, the Bobby only Wood. way that could work would be like if we did one of those things where it, it was an extension, but then this next year was cheaper, but then it was made up for in like guarantees in later years kind of thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. I, th- I just think that Maul Adams thing, I think he's going to play next year for a little under $10 million, I think that, and then they'll mm-hmm. do a true extension. Uh, Bobby Wagner is the other guy you could save money with, but I just think Bobby's pretty locked in at 17. That's just, that's what's happening. You don't cut Hall of Famers. Yeah, and you don't you don't cut him, and you, also even if you don't but cut him, Russ wasn't in this conversation for the same reason. We don't need to restructure him really either. It's the la- I think it's the last year of his contract. No, he has one more year after that. So maybe you look at the restructure after this year, right? But this mm-hmm. year I think is pretty locked in at seventeen point one. So everyone else is either cheap or negative cap money if you cut them or trade them. Uh, stuff like that. So or like Jason Myers, you save a little bit of money, but you'd spend that amount of money signing a kicker. Right. It's like, yeah, so do I want to have do I want to have two point three million dollars in dead money going to my kicker? And then I have two I have to sign a kicker that costs two million dollars or less, so they probably suck. Um, you can do that, but it's just that's that's what that's what we got ourselves into when we signed Jason Myers to a big deal. That's yep, what we this is why you that's don't pay a lot. <laughs> this is kind of what we signed up for. I mean, I could totally see them cutting him next year where they yeah. would get four million dollars back of the five million. But uh yeah, all right. So those are those are the big three. So Kevin you are going to enter the next podcast with. Um, you are going to enter the next podcast with thirty-one point three seven five million to go with your four point seven million, but you will not have Jaron Reed or Carlos Dunlap. Okay, Eric, you will enter your podcast. Your the next episode of the podcast with an extra. Uh, I don't know, $28.03 million to head up, head up and you will not have Carlos Dunlap or Jaron Reed as, as well. Also you had, you didn't extend Dwayne Brown. That was a big difference between you and Kevin. Kevin mm-hmm. decided, Kevin decided to take the risk. And I do think there's a significant risk there that will take him to his age 38 season. That's, yep. that's pretty, pretty, pretty old. I just don't think time. we have a backup plan for him anyway. So might as well. Might as well. Yeah. There's, it's tough. Um, Okay, uh, so then we also picked up a six round pick. Yeah, you picked it. great. <laughs> I know. I've, I think I've made my feelings about hey, six. Don't round picks. don't worry, guys. We're gonna turn it into a seventh round pick. I mean, I think they're functionally <laughs> like whenever they're like, "Oh, the Seahawks traded back from the third round at, in the middle to the third round at the end, and they picked up a sixth. And I'm like, okay, like mm-hmm. the sixth. <laughs> they picked up a dart throw later. <laughs> cool, like a completely. Completely random, uh, a random yeah. pick. It could be Chris Carson, or it could be John Ursua, or it yeah. could be. Like I just think I'll, I'll say this too. Uh, I personally, Tyler's the only guy I could see on our roster us getting a really good draft pick and a trade return for. And man, I think fans would hate it if we traded him. It would be very unpopular. I agree. Uh, but that's that, as they say, is that. All right, uh, let's get. All right, so. Now, as we head into a, a, a championship round, uh, we're going to do a little thing. Um, 
I think uh, my friend Chris calls it the desire index. And basically Ooh. you have to, you have to rank how much you desire each of these outcomes. So there are four teams left playing for the Super Bowl, and we're going to rank them a four, three, two, one, which, which ones we desire to win the most. Now, obviously, you know, for some of us, we don't have any great love for any of these teams. I put myself in that group. I don't really care about any of them, uh, but, but uh, we're going to rank them anyway. We're going to go for it anyway. So let's do this. Here we go. Desire index. So number four, which team would you least like to see raise the Lombardi trophy, Eric? Uh, this will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's go over the reasons and I'll try and make it brief. Cause I know that Kevin wants to wax poetic on Bruce Arians hat. Number one, Bruce Arians hat, get Tampa. it out. I don't like Bruce Arians hat. Number two, Bruce Arians. I think you're cocky and you've never done anything. Also, if there's ever been an angry old man coach uh, who is not Buddy Ryan, who used to coach the Cardinals, it would be Bruce Arians. Three, no creamsicles. Four, Tom Brady. I can't stand Tom Brady. Trying to high five everyone. Can't get a high five. Uh, high five that referees. Yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, and, and players back when he's New England. Five, the fifth and final reason. This is the Seahawks uh, expansion mate. And I don't want them getting up on us. They've already won a Super Bowl before we did. I don't want them to have two and us have one. Get out. Get out. That's my reasons. Less desirous. Least Eric running his own rivalry. Eric, do you agree? Or Eric, Kevin, do you guys said Carrick? Like that's like I combined you into one. This is this where Kevin and I are crank or at the same time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Carrick, uh, <laughs> what do you, do you, do you agree? Tampa Bay number four. All right. Do we the same time? One, two. two. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay's number four because uh, Tom Brady sucks, and and I I don't mean he sucks as a player. He's actually a good player. I mean he sucks as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I quite I quite enjoy uh, the Gronk, but uh, the fact that he likes Tom Brady so much means I question everything about else about him. Yeah, it's like when you have it's like when there's a guy who's pretty fun to hang out with and everything, but he always brings his super lame friend to everything that you do, and you're like, man. Like is, I would invite is, you, but I know that Tom's gonna come with. Yeah, and Tom and Tom has this weird like diet foods and stuff, and he's gonna just he won't stop talking about it. It's he so only annoying. talks about CrossFit and how he's vegan now. It's the yeah. worst. <laughs> His pre cooked meals that he's trying to sell me, and it's not even a pyramid scam. It's just he wants to sell me these stupid meals. And okay, I'm like, dude, I can bake chicken on my own. So. Okay, we got some. We all agree. Number four, I'm with you guys, Tampa Bay. All right, number three, Eric. Number three, we're just going to go to the next available bay, which is green. (laughs) (laughs) Green Bay has won a lot. We've always talked on this show about how uh, Aaron Rodgers should have more than one Super Bowl. Fine, get it in your own universe. Don't do it until Russell Wilson has two, maybe three. Uh, I don't want the Packers to win. They're. The fans from Green Bay are salt of the earth, honest, awesome, nice people. The the fans who just like to watch the Packers win from Oregon or just down the street, get out. Uh, for this reason, the second to least desirable Green Bay Packers, Matt Lafleur. You can take your uh, your uh, you know, your your baguettes and your fromage. And uh, your uh, your French pronunciation of the Incredible Hulk, and go somewhere else. <laughs> le, it's a, it's a, le, le Hulk incredible. Le, le Hulk incredible. All right, Kevin, are you? Do you agree? Bay, 
Bay number three? Uh, yeah, because I don't like the Packers, and um, we've been against them in the playoffs. I am rooting against them out of habit. Also, for reasons I'll be talking about in just a moment, I have reasons to actually like the other two teams. The best thing I could say about Green Bay is that they should beat Tampa Bay. So, so that, then they also beat them in this ranking. They're just that much slightly more favorable than Tampa Bay. Yeah, I am. Um, so here's the thing for me is I, I've actually come to enjoy uh, Aaron Rodgers a little bit this past season. I feel like he's been really frank in those weekly interviews he's been doing on a uh, on uh, Pat McAfee's show, and he's been kind of in, mildly enjoyable. Uh, he seems like he'd be a, a decent enough hang, and uh, I don't hate Green Bay as much as I used to. Uh, I think most of my hate was linked directly to Mike McCarthy's uh, girthy waistline, but I, I, I um, <laughs> fat discrimination things. I, I um, but I, you know what? To this is a uh, they still are the third for me as well. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate if they won. I would be pretty neutral about it. I would not like Tampa Bay where I'd be mad. <laughs> But, but if Green Bay wins, the thing that sucks is, Kevin, you're right. This is the team that we're most closely linked to the last 10 years. In the decade 2010 to 2020, uh, they had the third best record in the NFL. We had the fourth best record. Yep. We're neck and neck. Uh, this is uh, We've been met in the playoffs a bunch of times. We've met in some very notable games, Fail Mary, stuff like that. So they they um, they they we are linked together, and yeah, it does suck. And seeing them get an extra over us is just not something I really want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, they will be able to say that they won the title real recently. So, all right. So number two. All right, Eric, start us off again. What's your number two in the uh, desire index? It's a really close to being most desirable, but a, a just a so close number two. Andy Reid and his Patrick Mahomes led Kansas City Chiefmen. I really like the Chiefs outside of Tyreek Hill, maybe being a bad person. There's nothing really I I dislike about the Chiefs. I like their fan base. I like their small town vibe. They're a team that a fan base that was long starving and a, a bunch of likable players, nice jerseys, really fun to watch. Why wouldn't you want the Chiefs to win? Uh, because Patrick Mahomes is better than Russell Wilson. I'm a bitter man. And <laughs> I, I just think he's probably got two or three Super Bowls left in him at least. Just cool off there, young fella. Just uh, just take some time off from uh, your Super Bowl wins and maybe take care of that nerve damage you have in your neck. And that's uh, that's that's why they're no- my number two. Kevin, are you do you agree? Are you Kansas City number two as well? So uh, Tampa Bay buried in the basement. Like if we're going like zero to ten, there is zero. They are the hiring and already on staff offensive coordinator of playoff teams winning. Um. <laughs> Green Bay is like a four, like a three or a four. Like, I don't want to see it, but like, I'm not like offended. It's not odious, if you will. Then there's like a pretty good gap because the other two teams are like sevens and eights. Like I would be, I'd be pretty happy about these teams winning it. And as much as I love rooting for the underdog, I'm going to put Buffalo here as my number two. And here's why. I think Buffalo is building towards something. I think this season is already a big success for them. I think they have kind of proof of concept for what they're doing. 
And I think that they can put a few more pieces in place and come back with a more loaded roster. So I, I like Diggs. I think he's great. I like their fans. The way that they uh, basically they troll people by donating to charities in their city, which is like the greatest troll of all time because it's really helpful and nice. Dave and Buster's Foundation. Yeah, Dave and Buster's Foundation. They got an Applebee's. Sometimes they go back and forth between the Dave and Buster's and the Applebee's. The Applebee's. There's so much to like. Um, but yeah, uh, Buffalo is very likable, so that puts them in the number two spot. Um, all right. For for me, uh, I just don't really, I don't really get why everyone likes the Bills so much. I just like them because they're not in that. I'm more than the other teams basically because they're not in the NFC. I love Stefan Diggs. That's like the bright spot in a, in a, in a, but I think like, and their fans are crazy, like in a good way. I think their fans are overrated. <laughs> oh, are you saying that they're uh, the St. Louis Cardinals fans of football? Oh, uh, that's, yeah. whoa, whoa. Um, that's, did, oh, wait, did, did you guys, do you guys ever read those? Why, why do your team sucks by Drew, Ma- those Drew Magri articles yes, every year? Every year. Um, yeah, this is like uh, some of the things. I watched a Bills fan <laughs> piss into a cup and throw it at a kid wearing a Braves jersey. The kid was eight. How do I know he was eight? Because his dad said so after he punched the fan in the face. I hate this place. <laughs> that kind of makes me like Bills fans more. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's too much. That's I don't know. It's just it's just like a, a weird like they like like there's a guy that gets sprayed with ketchup and mustard before every game like is that is that cool like that are you sure that's not just patrick mahomes in disguise that's 100 percent. it's an old white dude and I, i've seen videos of it like a hundred <laughs> times i just think uh i don't know who are you to judge how people make friends nathan i don't know just upstate, <laughs> upstate new york sucks and like i just i think the <laughs> i think the bills are like yeah i think it's mildly overrated but whatever i i um Good for them. They have suffered, so I guess that's that's cool. I guess, um, but it's Buffalo. You live in Buffalo. That's suffering year round. I don't know why you wouldn't be used to it. All right, maybe I'm going to move the Bills down to number three. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need to reform this. I'm, 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 yeah, because I'm like, Packers fans. Here's, and here's one thing that drives me nuts about better. stuff. Here's the thing that sucks about what drives me nuts about stuff like this, though. It's like everyone bandwagons teams like this that usually aren't good. That then they get good and everyone bandwagons them and like loves them so much for you. And then as soon as they lose, they just forget they, they ever existed and go back to not caring about them. And like, I don't know, that stuff drives me nuts. I hate when everyone's on like the, the, the garbage franchise bandwagon, you know, like the bills have sucked for years for a reason. Like they, it's a poorly run NFL franchise. Like they've had some of the worst quarterbacks, quarterbacking this team like holy smokes not a big uh, jp lossman Nathan peterman jp lossman uh that's just like a, a, a litany a litany oh, of just like horrifically bad Two lanes own. um i don't know i just think that <laughs> people are i don't know it's weird it weirds me out all right um so yeah whatever bill's bill second though whatever i'll just leave it uh for me chiefs first by uh for chiefs first with a bullet i like i really like andy reed i find him very enjoyable uh he i think this team is really fun to watch they play an entertaining brand of football which when once the seahawks are out is really all i care about <laughs> and because not only do they score points but they allow points too and then their defense the only thing they're good at is like sacks and interceptions which are the best part of defense so they're, they're not like stopping the run you know or anything any of that other any of that boring stuff they're like getting picks and sacking the qb it's like they do the cool and stuff letting honey badger run wild 
Yeah, Travis Kelsey just runs this one route over and over, but it's literally unstoppable, which just cracks <laughs> me up every single time. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna root for the Chiefs. I want right. the Chiefs to win. Also, it'll make me feel good when they win because it'll be, I'll be like, yeah, but the, I, they're the favorite. You know, I'm rooting for the favorite, which is Eric back the Bills. <laughs> okay, so everything you said about the Bills, yeah, I'll actually agree. Their fans are overrated. Long suffering. This is not a bandwagon thing. Uh, the first Super Bowl that I really watched and. So I remember watching the Bengals 49ers Super Bowl and just being like, I don't like the 49ers, I like the Bengals because Boomer Esiason had a fun name and, uh, you know, whatever. It's a fun name. And he's good on QB Club 93. And when you're like eight years old or whatever, it was it was kind of cool. The the 91 Super Bowl with the Bill Parcells Giants and the uh, Marv Levy Bills. What a game. I... I already loved football, but I fell in love with that game because it was. I didn't really care who care who won, cared who won. I just wanted to see an awesome game, and I saw it. And the Bills went to three Super Bowls and lost. You said I feel like the Bills are building something. I'm not sure they are, Nathan or Kevin, whoever said it. Sorry, I'm, I you know what, uh, Kathan, whoever said it. <laughs> That's a that's a throwback from five minutes ago. It's five minute ago joke. So I don't know if the Bills are gonna be back. Honestly, I feel like this is a team that could have some free agents that flip on them. Uh, maybe Josh Allen doesn't grow. Maybe he gets figured out. This could be the year. How much bigger does he get? Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. That's why I want the Bills. They're long suffering, and I don't think you're gonna see the Bills back in the Super Bowl within the next three years. I'm just saying Ken Dorsey already taught him how to be 6'5". There you go. That's, That's an even longer throwback. Take notes, Pete. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going with Kansas City because Andy Reid's the best, uh, 100%. Uh, the guys will celebrate by having barbecue. Um, what was because it? He uh, lives in, because he lives in Kansas City. Would Brian Flores... No, no, because he would be doing that in any city. Um, <laughs> Brian Flores... Uh, when they beat the Patriots, if I remember correctly, he sent some Kansas City barbecue to Brian Flores um, for having beat them. Like, this, like Andy Reid's just living his best life, and I'm here for it. And like Nathan said, they run a fun, like, throw it all over the yard brand of offense. Um, their defense has playmakers, but not consistency, which means every game is just an absolute wild card as to what will happen. And more than anything else, um, I'm petty. Okay. And Philadelphia okay. fans were being super crappy about uh, Doug Peterson and saying he was the reason they lost. And guess what? When coaches leave Philadelphia, they win because they're not in Philadelphia anymore. And Got so it. I want Andy Reid to win another Super Bowl because Philly's not going to win another Super Bowl for the rest of my life. I cannot believe Philly ran Andy Reid out of town. Just like and an all-time. now they running Doug Peterson out. All-time big screw-up. Yeah, he was the problem. They figured it out. Congrats. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, get into the money zone. If you want to support the Seahawks in this podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com. Click anywhere on the screen. It'll take you to the Patreon. Uh, Thank you to new Patreons, Michael and Sam. And uh, help us get to 100 Patreons. If we get to 100 Patreons, we'll be buying some high-quality streaming equipment, and we'll be streaming this baby on video live. And you can watch us uh, 
live. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we'll, there'll be more interaction in the chat, things like that. It'll be fun. So it'll be a good time. So thank you to Patreons, new and old, Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Gary, Tom, Sam, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Karen, Mike, Flockness, Keith, and Michelle. Also, Patreons, check your email, check your mailbox. Uh, should have a little uh, little gifty in there if you had your uh, your address on the on the Patreon. So uh, enjoy that. Uh, t- and every everyone uh, else, uh, get in there. You know, there's a little well, last last episode of the season. Uh, regular season, we'll take a little break and then we'll come back with a couple of uh, off season specials on the Patreon as well. Uh, you'll see. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Movie club. You guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Oh yeah. All right. I posted it in the discord, so I'm going to go there. New Darwin in your wake up call. 10 30 AM Thursday, 17th of January, 2021 local temperature, 29 degrees Celsius, 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Johnny Mnemonic, man. It's the opening from the opening scene where Johnny wakes up with his $10,000 hooker in his uh, hotel room with room service. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> which comes back, which comes back later. Uh, and let me say this. I think that this, this screen that they show right here where they, they zoom in with the PlayStation one graphics and then they show the, they do like a PlayStation one thing where you're kind of in the William Gibson's version of the internet. Yep. And then you, uh, and then you see the screen and then it shows this date Delightful. and, with how easy it is to look up what day of the week it will be on any day of any year and to figure that out for them to not know that it will be a Sunday instead of a Thursday is kind of an in, in, in indicative of the, the level of detail that, that the director put into every aspect of this movie. And like this movie is, is corny and enjoyable. And I actually had so many things that make it good. Too. I actually had fun. I actually had fun watching it, but like, the direction in this movie is so bad that it makes it the whole thing feel uh, <laughs> amateurish. Like it makes the whole thing feel like, um, like it's airing on sci-fi channel at 1130 PM. Like, you know what it feels like? What? Uh, so uh, the comment I made to Eric was, it feels like if somebody was like, Hey, let's make shitty total recall. But mm-hmm. uh, the other way I yeah, think Paul about Verhoeven's it, a good director. If Paul Verhoeven directed this, it would have been awesome. Yes, let's it would have. We say that the move, this movie would be like a four or a five for me yeah. instead of a yep. two and a half uh, with the same cast and everything too. Cause the cast is dope. We'll Casting is fine. Way. And there's the, everything's fine except for the direction. It's, no, so it's bad. not fine. It's dope. Like there's some really good people in this. Um, but uh, also I just had a thing for Diz from uh, Starship Troopers in the nineties. So that's, 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 we'll just put that there. Um, but uh, it reminds me of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything shot in a way that makes it look cheesy. Yeah, and you can tell some exec some executive was on set and was like, "Hey, man, we got to ramp up the violence. We got to ramp up the we got to ramp up the action a little bit. You know, you got to ramp it up." And it's so it's like a cartoonish level of like guys getting their heads chopped off or people getting chopped in half and stuff. And it's yeah, like when the guy's hand gets frozen and then the dude smashes it with a. Wait. Right. Or when the, what, about, what about when the guy uses his whip thing? The to soon to be guy? in a J.J. Abrams Star Wars movie, uh, the lightsaber whip. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It's super weird, dude. I don't know. Uh, and you're but, right. They like the the all the really violent scenes, I think, especially because they had to isolate the people to do the graphics look super out of place. <laughs> So it's almost like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where they're like a cutout puppet of a person. Well, Kevin, I don't know if you remember from the 90s, if there's one thing better than animation, it's computer animation. 
otherwise known as blocky okay. graphics in the middle of a random movie. The, I mean, the computer animation in this movie, like, it's not noticeably bad until the end. Yeah, when it becomes where Johnny the star has to of the go, show, yeah. Where, where Johnny has to go into, like, the, the internet and clone himself <laughs> to fight against the virus or whatever. And it's like, and it's like, you can see that this is supposed to look like Keanu Reeves, but it really looks like. Um, the like Goldeneye. It looks like the character <laughs> oh, yes. from Goldeneye. You know, it's like it's just terrible. Uh, one thing I like about the beginning of the movie though is they're like, um, you know, he's gonna cram three hundred and twenty gigabytes into his brain, and it's like at the time a for one hundred and sixty though. At the time, they probably thought that was a cartoonishly large number. Like they'll never get this high, but now it seems cartoonishly low. For how many things this movie nailed, uh. Oh, we're, we're owned by corporations. It's a global pandemic in 2021. Like, there's a lot of things that, like, this movie just got there. It was on. It was like, they, it was like weird. Uh, they really missed the mark on how much data you could hold on a small, <laughs> on a flash driver in a brain, you know? But yeah, they, that. And uh, uh, they really missed the mark on how important Newark, New Jersey was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, how, how important <laughs> really it was really going to be. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the let's talk about the cast. Okay. So the cast we got Keanu. He's great. He's doing Keanu stuff. I'm I'm into it. No wait. I'm before you Keanu. say, but you're into it. This is this is peak, uh, bro Keanu. Like not not the beloved actor we know now who is who is. Right. I thought he did great though. Like he he did a good job. They have they gave him some like zingers, some well, one liners right alongside speed. And you can kind of tell he's he's very similar feeling in this. Yeah, I thought it was solid. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, Dina Dina Meyer, who we talked about, she plays like a, uh, um, she's got a bunch of cyberware. She's a cybered up, uh, like a Street bodyguard. <laughs> but she she uh, she's got the she's got the shakes. She's got the the pandemic disease. Well, that's the die. spoiler. Is it really the pandemic disease? The black shakes or something? Uh, we all get. Because we're so inundated <laughs> with data, which was really, oh uh, yeah, what which is, is really a what causes what causes it, Eric? Information, information overload. overload. All the electronics, all the electronics around you, poisoning the airwaves. Technological civilization, but we all have this because we can't live yeah, without that's, it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. That's Henry Rollins going, which is monologue. really uh, there's there's more swearing in that. Very monologue. very prophetic, yeah. but I wrote it down. Though. <laughs> um, because I, because I was like, I was like, it's gonna come up. Uh, Takeshi Kitano, international great. treasure. Which if you have not watched, if you have not watched any other Takeshi Kitano movies, uh, Eric and I will back it to the yeah. thousandth degree. Um, if you want a movie where violence exists because it's a movie, like in his world, no no problem can be solved without at least two people being shot in the forehead and no question can be answered unless it is at the end of a razor blade or a ball or like a ball peen hammer. Are you, what, which is, one are you talking about? Uh, Takeshi Kitano. Uh, he did the Coda movies. Oh, okay. I was like, or, I was like uh, he's, in he, he's in battle yes, Royale. He is. Yeah. He's in battle which, Royale, uh, which is, uh, which is one thing I love about battle Royale is, is every once in a while something happens in that movie that reminds you that these characters are like 14 years old <laughs> yeah. because like they, they, they did a really good job of that. It's like, so you start to get into the action and you start to forget like, Hey, these are children. And then someone will be like, I just wanted to tell you you're cool as they're like last dying words. And you're like, Oh yeah, that is something a 14 year old would say. Holy shit. <laughs> you didn't get a chance to write it in your yearbook. Uh, so he's going to say it with his dying words. Um, okay. Ice T plays J bone who, um, 
the the cast the um the wardrobe department decided to punish with a horrible <laughs> wig and outfit but i'm not sure why i thought he, he did fine i don't know why they felt like they needed to punch him but all of the low techs the things they did with their face and stuff looks ridiculously stupid yep. um the low the low techs they were like hey how can we make all these people look well dumb? how can we make them look yeah, like how- they're part of a gang but they're poor but they're computer nerds and that's what you got in the 90s throw some dreadlocks on them they'll be fine Dolph Lundgren was awesome. In Dolph Lundgren was next. Yep, Dolph Lundgren. Before has, yeah, you like feature. see Dolph Lundgren, he's in the credits, and you're like, Dolph Lundgren's in this movie, and he shows up about halfway through, in really like maybe his most daring role since, uh, you know, Rocky Four. It's his best on-screen English yes, I've ever yes. Speak. Washington State University treasure, Dolph Lundgren. Okay, um, Udo Kier plays like. Um, the guy who's supposed to Ralphie, the guy who's supposed to give him a show. And he's one of those ultimate, like that guys where he's in a ton of movies. This guy has like 300 yes. credits. And on he plays IMDb, the same person in but, every movie. But right. Like you, but he's never like the star of the movie. Like here's some movies he's in blade Suspiria, American animals, Armageddon, like downsizing how the 2007, you will movie. remember him from Ace Ventura uh, is the guy who says, Ace does Ventura. he have a name? Or do I call him lawyer? There you go. But, but like he's only really had like a couple starring roles recently. Baccarat. Hey Nathan, what's uh, his greatest starring like, role? It is Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. If anyone has seen that, okay, no one's seen that movie but me. If anyone <laughs> has seen that movie, please catch me in the Discord and we'll talk about uh, how how we feel life. That's, that's an inside joke. No one's gonna. Get Henry it. Rollins has a has a pretty solid turn here as a street doctor named spider, spider rollins yeah uh which uh, i like henry rollins i think he's like kind of underrated in these uh kind he of was, roles he was good season. until he started shouting at the end until like he leaned into his rollinsness i felt like he was mm-hmm. he was like oh wow henry rollins is kind of good in this movie you know you know what else he's in everything bad bad boys too all right <laughs> yes um, he is <laughs> and heat uh, that's like I think the last like really notable. There's a bunch of other character actors that are pretty solid in this movie, but People like you'll recognize, you'll be like, hey, that's the dude yeah, like, in the thing. Dennis Akiyama's in a bunch of movies that you've probably seen, but he's not like a, a big actor like that. So okay, so uh, they got these good actors. Like I said, wardrobe not did not do a good job in this movie. Uh, I think wardrobe is a weakness as well. In addition to the direction, some of the people are dressed weird. We got PlayStation One graphics all over the place, and they really Set are leaning. They also are really leaning into it. Um, yeah, for somehow this this both looks uh, futuristic, but also like it's a dump. Like, uh, and I and I don't mean that in like a like a like a oh, it's like a gritty future. I mean it looks like a literal dump. Yeah, it looks dirtier than early '80s New York City. Like, there's like there's like a line you cross when you're trying to go gritty future, and they went way past it. Like, look at Blade Runner. When you watch Blade Runner, you're like, oh, this is a gritty vision of the future. And then you watch Johnny Mnemonic, and you're like, did they film this in a garbage dump? Like, that's true. That's yeah. It's, basically, it looks like a tornado hit a garbage dump and then continued into the city, and then they were like, well, I'm not cleaning it up. Yeah, it sucks because like the I think the script is okay. It's a little too. It's uh, like a three. It's five. a little too like um, they actually. You, I would hardly ever say this, but they needed to tell you a little bit more. They, it's kind or at least or show you more because well, it's you just, mean the beginning crawl that explained it to you wasn't. Oh like, man, I mean <laughs> it's, it's just got like, a beginning crawl. Short, it's not going to be great. 
this movie's pretty short. It's 90 minutes. And I mean, like I rarely say this, but they could have been like 10 more minutes of just kind of fleshing out what the hell is going on. It is like pretty, it's like, okay, uh uh-huh. Yep. And it's, I mean, (laughs) we haven't even talked about the best thing yet though. It's been completely unmentioned. And it's, it's that the fact that this movie climaxes with Johnny having to neural interface with a cybernetic dolphin <laughs> and how this hasn't come up yet is beyond me we're waiting and this it. is this it culminates <laughs> i wasn't sure if we were gonna spoil that fact this cause... movie this movie peaks <laughs> it hits its absolute apex by having johnny and the thing is they hype it up to they're like oh you gotta see what was the dolphin's name again i forgot it's got like oh, a really God. it's got a really stupid name it's like a simple name uh, it's like Wilbur, me, uh, Wilbur or something. Right I'll find it. You keep going. Okay, so so that they they the, the movie like goes into this climax where they we got to find this cybernetic dolphin and interface with them. And Johnny's like, Jones. no, I'm not Jones. Yeah, that's it. It's Jones. You're right. Jones <laughs> turns out to he's like, we got to see Jones. You got to see Jones. And then Jones turns out to be this this yeah this cyborg dolphin that was. Uh, it's a code cracker. It was a code breaker. It would break codes of which, submarines, which is just like the dumbest plot point of all the Deus Ex Dolphina. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> it's like, it's like they, we have to solve this problem. Well, let's put a dolphin in. It's okay. The dolphin does some cool stuff. I mean, okay. And then just as a sign of how bad the direction and, and stuff is in this movie at the end of the movie, um, the they sh- they show like crispy Dolph Lundgren start to get up, and then they pan out, and it's like people picking him up to throw him off of the thing, and it's like, what a dumb bait and switch that is! Like, why did you do? Why did you put that sight gag into the end? The ending of my sci-fi thriller? Like, oh my god, this movie has also that was- added zero to the movie. Yeah, it's Roberto Longo. It's it was which you found out a him. how many how many more yeah. how many more directing credits does he have? A fun fact, Nathan. None, zero. Fun fact: He never directed another major feature film after this. Yep. Uh, this I would say like it's weird. The world is like ironically low tech for being a futuristic high tech. Yeah, it's tech reliant, but it's not high tech. It doesn't feel high tech at all, and there are movies being made at this time that would still still feel kind of high tech. Tron feels more high tech. This movie came out four years before The Matrix. Like four years. Is it really just four years? Yes. Correct. Wow. Came out in nineteen ninety nine. I'm blown away. The Matrix takes a fat dump on this. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's like so much better. The Wachowskis were like, "Hey, you, you, this." The Wachowskis probably watched this and were like, "Okay, we can." We can do better than that. <laughs> yeah, too bad they didn't cast Dina Meyer too. Oh yeah, this opportunity. Cool. Instead of instead of um, what's Carrie? Uh, what's her name? Yeah. Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Moss. It's, a, it's a, anyone. I don't care who. I just need more Diz in my life. Um, <laughs> we know who Kevin's teenage VHS crush was. Uh, oh yeah, they the guy. Uh, yeah, the dolphin attacks you with its brainwaves through a, a dish. Well, I mean, crazy. come on. How else is he going to do it? I just like how excited they were for the dolphin and. How the dolphin got so much screen time doing nothing. So he, did, he just sat there and they're like, this is the secret weapon. He's the secret. It's like, come on. It's a dolphin in a tank that isn't even all the way full. 
Oh yeah, and, and totally I like how like Johnny eye or something. No, nope, I like how Johnny calls it a fish, but then she's like, "It's a mammal," and he's like, "I'm not doing it with the fish." It's like, dude, she just told you it's a mammal like literally thirty <laughs> seconds ago. Are you stupidest person in the entire world? In all fairness, he has memory yes. issues. Oh yeah, for sure. Three hundred twenty-eight gigabytes of them. Uh, he gave he up also, his childhood. He also ditched his entire childhood yes. memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the funny thing is like this movie hinges on the fact that like at the end of the movie the dolphin gives him his childhood Which... memories back and they come, <laughs> they come bursting through like this wall in the stupid uh, three whatever you want to call that the stupid the dump uh, the, 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 internet, the, dump the, the augmented reality or whatever oh yeah and the the whole thing is nonsense too like he he's saving the files and the de- the thing to decode the files is a series of three pictures that he randomly took from a television like it's uh, one thing we've left out of this amazing movie is what about the lady the lady the random yeah the the lady who is who used to be in charge of this company and now she's being forced out but she's a ghost in the machine oh barbara sakura yeah it's yeah it's bizarre it's bizarre on top of no i thought that was a cool character idea and it totally fits like a william gibson world if you've ever read any of his books like i think that's a neat plot device they didn't but they, i have no idea it works yeah, in this exactly. book. yeah it just yeah, came I out of i have field. no clue that it, it's all right well and you just start no doubt that yeah. with supreme leader dolphin and like <laughs> and those two things exist in the same movie and that's kind of part of my problem you know well, and neither of them feel like full ideas it feels like a little bit like they everything feels thing. everything feels a little rushed um yes yeah, it's it's um but okay. And then we we left out another great moment, which a lot of people talk about, and they act like this is bad acting, but I think it's actually great acting. It's when Keanu is he's got to get into the low tech who live in like this uh, weird uh, raised thing under on the bottom of a bridge, uh, and it's like some it's like made of they like live in a scaffolding bus. they built at the bottom of like a busted up bridge. Yeah, and it, he needs to get up there, so he's yelling up there, and then he goes on a rant about how much he wants room service, and uh, he wants a $10,000 <laughs> prostitute and stuff, and it is like, okay. Oh, another weird thing about this movie, how come all the low-tech people shoot crossbows, but everyone else in this movie has guns? Like, just because you're low-tech doesn't mean you couldn't get your Nathan, hands on a gun. They're poor, yeah, they're going low-tech they're poor crossbows, actually more expensive than some guns, so what do you know? Uh, actually, they're bowcasters. Those are actually all Wookies. <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say about Ice T in this movie is this was before he was the kind of you know acting star that he is now. I don't know if he's really a star, but he clearly was like, "All right, if uh, as long as I don't mess this up, I'm going to have more jobs." And uh, congrats, Ice T, you did it. Now I will say that actually just kind of describes acting style. Correct. In what do you do on this cop drama? I pretend that I don't understand how anything works. So wait, you're telling me that I don't understand how anything works? There you go. We did it. We got there. There you go. Got it. Got there. And I feel like that's kind of his character here, except it's the opposite where he's like, I understand how all the things work. <laughs> but not so, saying anything. Yeah. So I guess we could say Ice-T has range. Fair. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. That's it. I'm good. Sure, I feel I feel good about it too. If you have thoughts about uh, Johnny Mnemonic, make sure to put them in the Discord. For Kevin, for Eric, we will see you next week. Go Hawks! <laughs>